Good morning, everyone. School's out. It's a good day. Summer has begun. Uh, I want us to start off by using our imagination a little bit. I haven't always been a professional basketball fan, uh, but since my son plays basketball, I've gained a little more of an interest. So this morning, we're going to build what we'll call the dream team. Okay, and what we're going to do is we're going to select what we believe to be some of the best players over the past two decades, and we're going to put a team together. And, and we're going to take one from each decade and assume that we get to choose them when they're playing in the prime of their game. Okay, So, for starters, who is obviously the very best basketball player right now today? LeBron James. I think you can argue about it, but very likely he's the best player. Now, before him... In the previous decade, who was the best player? Michael Jordan, right? So we'll take Michael Jordan or LeBron James, put them on a team together. Now, let's talk about the two best shooters in the game. Who's the best shooter in the game today? Steph Curry, right? The guy is amazing. If you've ever seen him warm up, it's a sight to behold. Okay, so we'll say Steph Curry's on this team. Now, in the previous decade, there was a guy wearing green who had luck of the Irish, Larry Bird, all right? So we've got LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, Larry Bird. Pretty impressive, right? Let's add a couple of big men, and I'll just throw them in there for the sake of discussion. Shaquille O'Neal, maybe uh, who else? Who? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I like that too, all right? So we've got this dream team. Now I want us to think about this team of players who are absolutely amazing in their own right, but I want to ask you, how well do you think they're going to play together? Week in and week out, is this going to be a team that really gels with one another? Probably not. Why? Because everyone wants to be a star. They're probably going to compare their stats and, and end up competing with each other more than the other team. And, and over time, they're probably going to desire to be on different teams instead of all playing together because not everybody can be the star when everybody wants to be the star. Now, I want you to take that picture, okay? You got it in your mind of this competition that leads to division because of comparison. And now you have a pretty good image of what is happening inside of the Corinthian church. It's very much the same case because they are comparing and then competing. And then as a result, you see division. As Paul enters into this topic of spiritual gifts what we find is that everyone wants to be the star they're comparing with each other they're competing with each other and everybody wants to have the attention turned on them and as a result as we've already found the church in Corinth is plagued with divisions and disunity now I want us to think about this because I believe that what is happening in with the, within the Corinthian church, as has often been the case as we've gone through this letter together, is very much a pitfall that we can stumble into today as well. And, and I'll just start with me. It's real easy for me to pull out the comparison stick and look at how I compare to other pastors. I'll listen to a sermon by Tim Keller as he unfolds and, and walks through a difficult passage, and I'll finish that sermon thinking, man, I don't think I could ever communicate as well as he just did. I look at somebody like Matt Chandler, who's a pastor, 
a, a, a conference speaker, uh, an accomplished author, and I'll, I'll compare myself to him and I'll think, man, I'm doing good every week just to shepherd a few people and get a sermon out. And so when I compare myself to these people, I don't want to compete. You know what I want to do? Quit. I want to quit. Because I feel very discouraged when I compare myself to these other people. Because I feel very inadequate in comparison to them. And I think at one time or another, for every single person in this room, we all pull out that comparison stick, don't we? And when we do, we lose every single time. We, we fall into that same pattern of, of comparison and competition that then leads to disunity and division and, and discontentment. And when those issues plague the church like they have in Corinth, we derail the mission of God. And we're just as much at risk of that today as they were then. So as we think about what Paul has to say this morning, I want us to, to take it to heart because he's going to recalibrate our perspective. He's going to shift the focus from individuals and their gifts to Christ and his body. We're, we'll learn that spiritual gifts are, are given by God according to his design for the good of others in order to accomplish his purposes within his body, which he created. So instead of trying to be the star, we're going to see how we can apply those gifts that he's given us in order to glorify the one who created the stars. He hung them in the heavens and he knows them each by name. That's where our attention should be. Not on our gifts, but on his glory. That's Paul's point. So let's pray together before we look at this passage. Father, as we come to you this morning, we realize how easily distracted we are as we look at the way you have gifted your church, and somehow, in some way, we turn what was intended to put focus on the manifold wisdom of God, and we turn it into something that is highlighting us and our abilities and our gifts as if we own them. Father, this morning, would you recalibrate our perspective? Would you use uh, the words of Paul, inspired by your Spirit, to, to shift our focus from individuals and their gifts to Christ? and his body. Give us a clear picture of the miraculous work that you have done by your spirit in your people. Make that clear to us this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. So if you would, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm actually overlap a little bit and begin in verse 4, even though we walked through those verses last week, because I believe they help tie this together. So go back to verse 4 with me and follow along. Beginning in verse 4, Paul says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of, of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common Good. You'll remember when we talked about this last time, how we said the focus is really not on the variety of gifts, but on their singularity of their source. The main point is that God is the one who designs and executes in order to accomplish His purpose in His church. Look again at verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
In other words, His Spirit determines who gets what gifts. We don't choose from a list. We, we don't earn special privileges. This is not like a video game where you accomplish certain ministries and you move up to different levels and you get new rewards as you go. That's not what this looks like. God has a, has, has a purpose and His Spirit has uniquely gifted each person in order to accomplish His purpose in the church. He decides who gets what gifts. Look at how he continues in verse 5. And there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. So not only does he give us each gifts, he actually places us in the context by which those gifts can be used. We don't have to identify our spiritual gifts and then go create a ministry in order to use them. God already has gone before us and creates not only the gifts that he gives to us, but the ministry, the context in which those gifts can be used. I think these are the good works that God has prepared beforehand so that we can walk in them. He gives us the gifts. He gives us the ministries, but he also determines the effect. Look at verse 6. And there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all people. So if our church grows or people come to faith, There is not a single person in this room, present company included, who can take credit for that. It's a work of God. Gives the gifts, establishes the ministries, determines the effect. Let me explain it to you this way. When I was at UMC, I was on a team who helped lead a culture change in that hospital system. Because at the time, when we first began... We had an image problem. We were the county hospital that everybody kind of looked down on. So one of the things that we did early on is we traveled all over the country, and it was really great fun to go to these different hospitals that were very successful at different parts in the United States because we wanted to determine what their best practices were so that we could come back to our hospital system and implement our own strategies in hopes of accomplishing similar results. And over time, what we began to see is a a change in the culture of that hospital and the image that we had in our community to the point that today you could look at UMC Health System and say, for many, it is the employer of choice. It is one of the top hospitals in the country. Now, I tell you that because even though that works that way for a hospital system, it is not the way it works in the church. Our goal is not to implement best practices based on what other churches may be doing. We want to be faithful to the gifts that God has given us, to the ministries that He's provided for us, to accomplish the purpose that He has for us right here at Melanie Park. Because here's the deal. Do you know why we uh, did so much work to establish that culture at UMC? Because that was our competitive advantage. We are a healthcare provider like all the others in town, so we had to have something that differentiated us, something that set us apart. Graham uh, is applying for a job at United Supermarkets, and he and I were talking about this recently, and I said, look, there's a lot of grocery stores in town, so you can't compete on selling food. Because everybody sells food if you're a grocery store. You've got to have a competitive advantage in comparison to the others. And one of the things when I was at UMC, we partnered with United a lot because they wanted to have a culture of service. 
so that people were choosing their grocery store because of the customer experience that they had. They were invited in. They were introduced with friendly people who entered into a, a fun conversation with them so that the experience that they had was one that they wanted to repeat. And it was the same for the hospital system. It was a competitive advantage. It was a, a way to sell a product. But I want to be clear. God is not using the church to sell a product. He has designed the church to transform lives. And he's put us together for that purpose, for the common good. Look at verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see, God distributes the gifts. He creates the ministries. He determines the effect. And he does it all for the common good. So in the end, my gift is not for me. He's gifted each and every one of us for the good of others, for the benefit of, of someone else. And when we exercise those gifts then we see the, the mutual benefit that takes place within the, the body of Christ according to the design of God. And so in verse 7 where it talks about this manifestation of the Spirit, what I believe that is trying to communicate to us is that the invisible presence of God is made visible within the people of God when they live and work within the ministry that He has prepared for us ahead of time. The manifestation is the invisible presence of God made visible through the people of God in the life and ministry of His church, which is all in accordance with His design. Look at how he continues in verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing, by the one Spirit, and to another the effects of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. I want you to know up front, my goal this morning is not to give you a detailed explanation of each one of these gifts that are listed. I'm not going to prove their existence or describe their value in the church. And the reason is, is because I don't believe that was Paul's point. And so I don't want to do anything to distract us from what he intended the purpose to be. That being said, there are some things that I do know. And one of the things that I do know is that the list given to us in this passage is not intended to be exhaustive. It's not a complete list. Because you can look at other places in the New Testament where spiritual gifts are listed and you'll find different things. So this is a representative sample. And in that sample, I believe there's purpose. That the specific gifts that are chosen and the way that they are listed actually are intended to communicate something. In other words, Paul didn't just draw these out of a hat randomly. He chose them specifically to communicate an important truth. And for the sake of our discussion, I'm going to group them together, and I want you to see how they are such, there's such in, interdependence between them. So follow along with me. I'll show you what I mean. Look at verse 8 again. 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit. Wisdom, knowledge, faith. Wisdom, or excuse me, knowledge is the understanding of what is true. Wisdom is the ability or the understanding to apply that truth to our daily lives. And I believe faith is the ability to live with things that we don't fully understand. Knowledge, wisdom, and truth. Not one of those attributes stands alone. Because what good is knowledge if you don't know how to use it? What good is wisdom? If you don't know what is true, what good is faith if you don't have something to believe in? Within the body of Christ, there are people gifted in each of these areas in unique ways for the benefit of the common good. Because here's the deal. Here's here's what is true. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much you know of the Bible. There's going to be a point in your life where you're going to need somebody to come alongside you and remind you of what is true. That's why the Bible is so filled with reminders. Because we are a forgetful people. And we need people to come alongside of us to to remind us of what is true. In our family, very often, Don Sapisa is that person. Terry and I, on more than one occasion, have had a conversation with each other. We say, hey, I'm really struggling with something, and and I want to walk through it with you. But don't worry. I've talked to Dawn. We're good. (laughs) Because she's great at reminding us of what is true. You see, nobody ever goes through life without needing something from somebody else. Because no one person has everything they need. Do you understand? There's an interdependence here. I told you recently about the person who came to me and said, listen, they were apologetic. I'm sorry I keep coming to you with this issue. I'm really struggling. I have such weak faith. And remember, I told you, no, that's not weak faith because weak faith would not go to look for help. Weak faith would somehow assume that they could do it on their own. It's great faith to see how the body is intended to care for each other and to take advantage of that. That's great faith. And I've told this person, I said, listen, here's something I want you to understand. I'm glad that I can be a reminder for you, but I want you to hear me very clearly. There will be a time in my life when you will need to do the same thing for me. Because we need each other. We are interdependent. No one gift stands alone. They were designed to be connected with one another. Now, Look at verse 9 again, the second part. As we go on, it says, And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. Gifts of healing, working of miracles. Let me ask you, is there any unexplained healing that's not miraculous? (laughs) No, of course not. You see, I think Paul's point is that when you see these things happen, they are evidence of the presence of God. That's why we can't establish a healing ministry and assume that we somehow have the ability to to heal any person of any disease at any time. Why? Because the existing of miracles in the church don't exist 
on our own power. Do I think they can occur? Absolutely. But according to God's good and perfect will. This is not a a, a name it and claim it kind of a situation. Why? Because we're not in control. It's God who gives the gifts. It's God who determines the ministries. It's God who determines the effect. So so Paul's not trying to, to validate the gifts. They obviously exist. That's why they're listed. What he's saying is that the presence of these gifts is the testimony of the presence of God at work in the lives of his people. And there's a purpose to that. Because he is the one and only who is completely and sovereignly in control. Look at the second part of verse 10. And to another prophecy, to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. As I look at this last group, they all have speech in common, don't they? The gift of prophecy, the gift of determining false prophets, the gift of speaking in tongues, and then the interpretation of of those tongues. Now, we're going to look at this in much more detail because Paul's going to address it specifically later on the re- letter. And the reason is because speaking in tongues is the problem child in the Corinthian church. If you want to be a rock star in the Corinthian church, then you need to have the gift of speaking in tongues. So it's probably not an accident that Paul lists it last. It's like he's saying, look, you, you may think you're a part of the spiritually elite, but really, this is just one in the list of a lot of things that God can do in the lives of his people, but he's the one that's in control. Because here's the point. Look again at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Christians do not possess anything that they were not given by God. The differences in our spiritual gifts is divinely ordained. He he fits them together so that they are interdependent on one another. No one gift stands alone, nor is any one gift useful for any one person. It's always for the common good. God distributing gifts Establishing ministries, determining effects for the mutual benefit of the body of Christ. Look at how he continues in verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it's not for this, any re- for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But God has placed the members, each and every one of them, in the body just as he desired. There's no better analogy for the working of the body of Christ than the the miraculous 
beauty of the human body. A wonderfully complex but amazingly effective system. The human body provides for for mobility with with joints and ligaments that are are self-lubricating and and pressure-sensitive. They have voluntary actions and, and reflexive actions. There's this complex chemical plant that produces hormones and and enzymes and and blood cells that that both produce life and protect life. It has this central nervous system that is more advanced and performs more calculations than any computer system. In fact, all computer systems combined. The human body is the most amazing, the most complex information information processing system that has or ever will exist. And God's design for the church is no less amazing or dynamic than the miracle of the human body. Like the human body, we have many parts. And those members are interdependent on one another. They are connected for a purpose, and their differences are all apart of God's design. And when He joins them together and empowers them by His Spirit, we are uniquely designed to make a difference for Christ in the world. And and in that complex system of the body of Christ, each and every one of us has a very simple responsibility. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. To use what God has given us in the way that He intends for the purpose that He ultimately accomplishes. Look at verse 14 again. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Or the same thing with the ear and the eye. Because if the whole body were an eye, where would hearing be? And and. If it were all about hearing, then where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, listen, each and every one of them in the body just as he desires. As you see this picture that Paul's creating here, this image of of comparing, do you see what's happening? The, the, The hand and the foot are comparing themselves to each other. The the ear is comparing itself to, to the eye. And in that comparison, they lose sight of their own value. Which is exactly what is happening within the Corinthian church. Everyone wants to be a star. And when they don't get the attention that they feel that they deserve, when they start comparing themselves to someone else, when they start seeking things that others have that God hasn't necessarily given them, Eventually, that comparison turns into discontent. And and that discontent inevitably leads to division. Paul reminds them, God has uniquely gifted each and every one of you and placed you in the body of Christ just as He desires. In the same way that He fashioned the miracle of the human body. We need to understand that he put just as much time and attention into his design and purpose for the church of Jesus Christ. No one part stands alone, but we 
are all interdependent on one another. There is nothing, there is no one who is insignificant or unimportant because we're all a part of His design. And you, each and every one of you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are a part of that design. And so with that picture in mind, I want us to to think about some things that, that apply to what we just read. I want you to consider this. First of all, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Did you hear what I said? Be yourself because everyone else is taken. Don't determine your worth by comparing yourself to someone else. Be the person that God designed you to be, unique uniquely gifted you to be, to serve in a specific way for a a common benefit to all of us. Embrace the gifts and abilities that God has given you. Engage in the ministries that He's created for you. Trust Him in the effect and the results that He intends. You have one responsibility. I have one responsibility. What is it? Faithfulness. Faithfulness to what God has done. Be the person He created you to be. Everyone else is taken. So be yourself, but also be involved. What happens to the human body when one of those complex systems decides to shut down or to opt out? It's bad news, isn't it? (laughs) If you look at the example that Paul gave, and let's say the the ear decides by comparing himself to the eye that he's unimportant, so he's going to quit. Well, let's put that in a practical situation. You're walking down the street. There's a car coming up behind you that is careening out of control, lost its brakes. The driver can't control it. He's laying on the horn, but the ears have opted out, and you can't hear it. That's disaster, isn't it? Well, the same thing is true within the church. God has placed each and every one of you within the body of Christ just as He desires. He's distributed the gifts. He's created the ministries in accordance with His perfect will. And when we each do our part, there is a beautiful, wonderful, mutual benefit that exists within the body of Christ. But if someone opts out, every one of us suffers. Every one of us. So don't diminish God's glory in the world by refusing to be involved in His church. Because when God's people are faithful to God's purposes, His invisible attributes, remember that manifestation of the Spirit, His invisible attributes are made visible the church in such a way that the manifold wisdom of God is on display. That's of great importance. And we each have a part to play. So be yourself. Be involved. And then lastly, be content. Put down the comparison stick and be who God created you to be. I think from personal experience, it's totally miserable trying to be somebody that I'm not. 
It is. But there is nothing more fulfilling than being the person God created you to be. There's nothing more satisfying than living in accordance with His design. And so here's how I want you to think about this as we consider what this looks like in our church family. Instead of going through and taking a spiritual gifts inventory, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but that's a very independent thing, isn't it? I go, I take the test so that I can determine what my gifts are. I have an alternative for you to consider. I think that that we have a better chance of understanding how God has gifted each of us by being in relationship with one another. Let me illustrate it this way. If I find a missing jigsaw puzzle piece, how effective am I in taking that piece, pulling out a microscope, and really trying to examine the details of that, that piece of of the puzzle and look at the colors and the shapes and and really determining okay what possible puzzle in all the world could this fit in by examining the piece wouldn't I be better served in going to the puzzle finding a spot that's missing a piece and seeing if that particular piece fits until I finally find out where it goes well if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ there is a place within his body where you fit because there are no missing pieces god has put as much time and attention into designing and crafting the body of christ as he put into the creation of the human body and you and i within that design have one very important responsibility to be faithful Be the person He created you to be. Be involved in the body of Christ because He's placed you here just as He intended. And and so be content with how He intends to use you in the ministry that He's created for you and the effect that He's already determined ultimately for the praise and glory of His name. Because when we come together and function like He designed, we put the manifold wisdom of God on display For the world to see. Just think about that. The invisible attributes of God made visible through you and I. Is that not a miracle? So I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be challenged. I want you to be committed to being who God created you to be. To be involved in the body of Christ. And to be content as he works through his people to accomplish his purposes. This is about him, not about us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for that reminder. (laughs) In our world today of individualism and personal accomplishments, uh, the way in which we determine individual success, it's easy to lose sight of what we were created for. That We are interdependent, that no one person stands alone, that we need each other. Father, help us to be committed to being the person you created us to be. Protect us from comparing ourselves to others and feeling discouraged by that or wanting to compete because of envy or jealousy. Instead, bring us to a place of contentment where we trust in your design more than our own opinions. And we are faithful to follow you, faithful to love and care for one another, faithful to be committed to the body of Christ, knowing that when we opt out, the entire body suffers. 
because we need each other. And ultimately, you've designed us to be together to accomplish your purposes in the world. And I do pray for the body of Melanie Park Church that we can live and function in the life of ministry within this church in such a way that we can impact the world deeply for the message of Christ, the hope that we have in Him, the power of the gospel being proclaimed through this body of believers. So may we take this to heart and be faithful to put it into practice. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Have a great day.